Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Anybody like Faith School? Yes. <laughs> Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed. My faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer, not defeated. You, you want to make up your mind, I am not a victim. I'm a victor. Just because something bad happened to you doesn't make you a victim for the rest of your life. Everybody with me? No, you're an overcomer. Well, if nothing ever happened that was a challenge, then there'd be nothing to overcome. But that meant there was some kind of an obstacle, some type of an issue. But by the grace of God, you're an overcomer. You overcome the thing that tried to hurt you or did hurt you, put you down. Uh, I like the scripture talks about the, uh, the spirit of faith. In fact, let's, let's look at it there in 2 Corinthians 4. And we'll, uh, we'll pray here in just a moment. But let's, let's read this. And 2 Corinthians 4 talks about the spirit of faith. And uh, verse 13, it says, 2 Corinthians 4.13, We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed... And therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. But he had given detail about what you speak and how you speak just in the previous verses in verse 8. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Do you hear the spirit of faith? Did he have, did you say we got any trouble? Oh yeah, we got trouble on every side. Somebody say, yet, 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 not distressed. Can you have trouble all around you and not be distressed? Yes. It's possible. He went on to say, we're perplexed, but not in despair. Perplexed means you don't know. There are things you don't know and you don't understand, and yet you're not depressed over it. You're not in despair. You're not desponding or depressed. Just because you got problems doesn't mean you have to be depressed. It's a choice of what you think on, what you say, what you believe. We're talking about being an overcomer, yes. right? A victor instead of a victim. He said, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. One translation says, knocked down but not knocked out, <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe you took a hit, but that's not the end. It's not over, Right? We're overcomers. Amen. And one of the big things that makes you that is that you're not a quitter. You don't lay down and accept a victim mentality. You don't lay down and say, well, I, I was beaten. Well, not if you'll get up. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, somebody says, man, I'm, I've been going through, you know, hell. Well, don't stop. Keep going. <laughs> don't stop in hell. Keep going <laughs> and get out right on the other side. 
And the way you're going to do that is by talking like this. That's how faith talks. Let's pray and believe God to get that more in us today. Father, we thank you for that same spirit of faith that's from you, that's in you, that was in your prophets of old, that was in Jesus himself. It's now also in us. We embrace it. We yield to the spirit of faith. We yield our mouth to speak words of faith. And we yield our, our being to act in faith action. Feed us today and nourish our faith and give us exactly what we need. We ask for it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Open your textbook uh, to Matthew 8 and Luke 7, and let's continue today in our study of faith for healing. We've been studying these individual accounts one by one, and we've gotten down to number six now, the healing of the centurion servant. And this is recorded in Matthew 8. It's also recorded in Luke uh, 7. I'm going to read this to you again out of the, the Living Bible, and I'm going to start in verse 5, Matthew 8, 5. In the Living Bible. When Jesus arrived in Capernaum, a Roman army captain, we know he was an officer over a hundred men, uh, some uh, definitions say, came and pled with him to come to his home and heal his servant boy who was in bed, paralyzed and racked with pain. The King James says he was sick. He was grievously tormented. And we said there's no way Torment is the will of God. It's a taste of hell on earth. Verse 7, Jesus said, yes, I will come and heal him. Then the officer said, sir, I am not worthy to have you in my home. And it isn't necessary for you to come. If you will only stand there, stand here and say, be healed, or the other translation said, give the command. My servant will get well. No ambiguity. No we'll try it. No we'll see. No what if. We hope so. Maybe so. No. My servant will get well. Faith knows ahead of time the outcome. Is <laughs> so persuaded of the efficacy and effectiveness of what's happening now or what has already happened that it considers the outcome beyond question. He will get, if you give the command, he will get well. He said, uh, I know this because I'm under authority, the authority of my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. He was over 100 soldiers. And I say to one, go, and what happens? Huh? He doesn't check his calendar or his schedule. He doesn't say, I'll get back with you and see if, if I can go. Mm -mm. No, this is the Roman military. When the officer says go, you better go. Because <laughs> if you don't, you're going to wish you had gone. <laughs> no matter how bad going was, not going is going to be worse. <laughs> Go, and he goes. I say to another one, come. And what happens? He comes. 
I say to my slave boy, my servant boy, do this. And he does it. And I know that you have authority. Uh, the living says to tell this sickness to go. And it will go, which is in essence what he was saying. I, I know you have authority over the problem that my servant has. You have authority over whatever's wrong with him. Now think about that. He's paralyzed. What caused him to be paralyzed? I don't know. Some kind of severe injury, some kind of terrible debilitating disease that's attacked his nervous system, his spine, his bone. I don't know, but he's, and he's in excruciating pain and he's at the point of death. He's a few breaths away from being dead. And yet, this man, with no official medical diagnosis, <laughs> huh? Come on, are y'all with me? I think sometimes people get too in depth of the natural side of it, and they struggle with believing that something supernatural could happen because they know too much about the natural side of it, and they've fed too much on that. Now, don't misunderstand me. I thank God for good doctors and nurses and the whole medical profession as a whole. I believe there are people that are called and anointed to be doctors and surgeons and, and nurses and like I'm anointed to stand here and preach the gospel. They have a call on their life. Now, not everybody that's in the field is that way, but some are. And I thank God for it. But you, you have to watch about you're so familiar with the diagnosis, with the prognosis, with the treatments, with this and that, until you only think that what you see and know is what can happen. There is a spiritual dimension. There is a spiritual cause and effect behind disease, behind healing. There is a realm you can't see where things come from. I mean, if you put cancer cells, for instance, under a microscope, and you see activity. Well, what's driving that? There's a, a force behind that you can't even see. It's not God. I said, it's not God. It's not God. And yet it's something behind. You can see the effects of it in that natural material cell, but you can't see what's behind it. It's like life. In the human body, it's like a, a baby uh, being conceived in the womb. And what makes that uh, baby grow from one stage to the next? People say, well, it's, it's life. You can't see that under a microscope. <laughs> what makes it go from one stage to the other? And, and that's more important. Not that this natural isn't important, but the spiritual is far greater. And far more important, what's happening behind the scenes is more important than what you see. And you don't have to understand everything you're seeing to get results. You don't even have to have the exact diagnosis to get healed. Are y'all with me? You can be healed and never know what was wrong with you. <laughs> That's sure better than knowing all the Latin names and knowing in detail what's wrong with you and staying sick. Huh? But if you focus too much on the natural and that's all you feed on, all you think about 
is a new drug or a new treatment or the, the perfect diet or whatever, if that's all you focus on, you won't have faith in the Word of God because you're not feeding on that. You're only looking for a natural solution. Thank God for natural solutions, but they are severely limited. Hmm? How quickly the best professionals, professionals in the world will look at you and say, I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do. Oh, but thank God that doesn't mean there's nothing more can be done. There is another greater source of help. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a God. He's the healer. He's the Lord who heals us. Didn't he reveal himself as that? I am the Lord. I am Jehovah Rapha. That means I'm the Lord who heals you. Has he ever changed from that? He never changes. Say it out loud. He is my healer. Lord, you are my healer. You are the God who heals me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's not doctors and medicine, treatments, surgeries, or God. I've heard people say, uh, professionals in the field say, well, yeah, you know, that's nice. You know, prayer can be a nice help to what we do. Oh, no, 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 no. You got it backwards. You got it backwards. Everything man is doing is a natural help to God who is the healer. And he can do it with it or without it. Hmm? But no matter if the best surgeon in the world works on you, when he or she gets done, they didn't heal you. They might have removed something that was causing a problem. They might have repaired something and fixed something, but then when they sew you up or staple you up, whatever, then they're expecting you to heal. That's not them healing you. That's not you healing you. Who put healing in the body? The one who made it, the, the creator of the body, put healing in the body to sustain it. And where that came from, there's a whole lot more. Hallelujah. It's good to know him. Good to know the healer. He said, uh, I'll come and heal him. And the officer said, sir, I'm not worthy to have you in my home. Now we got into this on yesterday's class. I want to continue so. Everything we receive from God, we receive by grace. Everybody say by grace. By grace. By grace through faith. It's made available by grace. It is received by our faith. It's made available by God's grace. He's the giver of it all. But he doesn't receive it for you. If he hadn't given it, there'd be nothing to receive. But after he's given it, it must be received. In Ephesians 2, uh, you're familiar with this, but he talks about being saved. He said we're, we're saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2.8. And he said that not of yourselves. It is the gift 
of God. Everybody say gift. Yes. It's the gift of God. That word in, in a word describes the whole magnificent concept of grace. Everything that grace is, is a gift. Now it covers so many things, but anything you could say, it winds up being a free, undeserved, unearned gift. If it's a gift, it's not pay. If it's a gift, it wasn't owed. If it's a gift, you weren't entitled to it. Huh? If you're entitled to it, it wasn't a gift. It was your wages. It was your pay. It was your recompense for what you did to earn it, to deserve it. But grace can never be that. The truth is, you and I don't deserve to go to heaven. Are y'all with me? We didn't, nobody, I don't care how good they think they might have been, Nobody earned heaven. Nobody has, nobody will. That's why Jesus had to come because nobody could. The, the, the best righteousness that men could muster, the scripture says, was as filthy rags before our holy God. The best we could do in trying to keep God's law of what's right and wrong and righteousness and unrighteousness, people failed. Person after person, generation after generation, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means based on your performance, you don't go to heaven. Y'all with me, class? Now, you say that, but there's still a lot of people even church-going people who have this thing in mind, they have this idea, I hope I've been good enough. Well, I can tell you right now, you haven't. <laughs> I don't care what you've done. If that's what you're counting on to be saved, you're lost. And I know this is serious, but it is serious. I'm talking serious. It is so serious. It's life and death. It's heaven and hell. If you could be saved by being good, are doing good things, then Jesus didn't have to come for you. You could make it on your own. And there's nobody that's like that. Not a single one. No, not one. <laughs> no, not one, the scripture says. And just like you didn't deserve or earn to be forgiven, to be cleansed, to be made holy and made righteous by the blood of the Lamb, to have your name in the Lamb's book of life, for the Lord to prepare a place for you in glory, include you in His family forever, train you to rule and reign with Him in His kingdom. You don't deserve it, nor do I, but it was given to us. I said it was given to us just as a free, unearned, Undeserved gift. Oh, somebody say a gift. A gift. It's a gift. Healing is a gift. The Holy Spirit's a gift. Deliverance is a gift. Protection is a gift. Not based on how good a Christian you are or how well you do. Now, don't misunderstand me. By doing well, 
by obeying God, by being faithful, even in an imperfect degree, ever how much you did, you will be rewarded for past this life. It'll benefit you in this life now. And in past this life, you'll be rewarded for it. It will even affect the things you do and the place you have in the kingdom to come. But that's not how you get saved. And that's not how you deserve healing. Our uh, righteousness is not based on what we do. Our reward is. You see the difference, class. But when it comes to a healing, this man here, his, his servant that he highly prizes, Luke says, is paralyzed, bedfast, in excruciating pain, grievously tormented. It's hurting him because his servant is in such a bad way. He cares about this boy. And he asked the Lord to, to minister to him, asked the Lord for healing. We see in Luke that he sent elders and they made request. And he says, I'll come. But we see the characteristics of great faith when this man immediately says, no, no, I, I'm not entitled to a special visit from you. I'm, I'm, I don't deserve. And civic-wise, military-wise, he had authority over Jesus. If you want to look at it from a natural standpoint, Romans occupy the whole country. He, he might have thought he could have sent soldiers and dragged Jesus there against his will, but he wouldn't do that. Because he respects God. He respects the Word of God. But he doesn't feel entitled. You never approach God for some benefit of the cross and redemption bringing up what you've done. Remember, they brought it up to Jesus. They said, he's a good man. He, he loves us, the Jews. He, he loves the, the country. He has built us a synagogue out of his own personal funds. But they're saying, you, you should do it for him. You should do it for because of that. But he says, no, no. He, he, he's not saying you should help me because I've done this. He said, no, I don't deserve you to come to my house I'm not somebody so important that you should take time. In fact, when he got close and he saw he was coming, he sent friends to go meet him. And he said, no, Lord, don't, don't put yourself out. One translation said, anymore. You don't need to come here. You don't need to come into my house. If you would please, sir, just give the command. And that's when Jesus turns around and marvels and says, this is the greatest faith I have seen anywhere in this whole country. In all my dealings here, I've never seen faith like this. Great faith knows it's by grace. Great faith knows. You, you, I've heard people say, well, I don't understand that. You know, I've been, I've been working in this church for the last 20 years and, and, and I'm always here and I never miss and, and I tithe and, and I give and, 
and, and, and I've been sick with this thing for three years and I'm worse than I was. And here that young guy comes in the other day. We know he's been living like the devil. And he went to the altar and got saved, got healed right there on the spot. Well, what has you being a good Christian got to do with you being healed? What if you, your perfect attendance, what has that got to do with you being healed? Let me help you out. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. What is your giving? I mean, can you buy a healing? Can you give a big enough offering that you should, you moved up to the front of the line <laughs> to, to receive it? Mm, can you see how wrong people think? Yes. No, 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 no. You don't mention money. You don't mention what you've done when you're talking about receiving something that Jesus bought and paid for at the scourging pose at the cross. Can you see it's insulting to imply that you should have it because of something you did. This man, I know he didn't know all he was saying, but he got it right, <laughs> didn't he? He got it right when he said, no, no, I know I'm an officer. I know all of this, but. Uh, I got some military authority. You got the spiritual authority. You don't need to come pay me a visit. You don't, we don't need to go through any ceremony or niceties. Please, sir, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And he got what he wanted. Hallelujah. Jesus said, be it unto you, just like you've believed. Hallelujah. And so when, they, when the friends got back to the house, they found the servant is no longer bedfast. He's no longer paralyzed. He's no longer in pain. The boy is sitting up, feeling good, asking for some groceries. <laughs> Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our time is up again. But do you have a respect for the word of God? Do you know that nothing is owed to you? Because of what you have done and your things. It's all what Jesus has paid for. Say thank you Lord. Thank you, Lord. For so graciously. Giving to me. Life. Healing. All things. I know I don't deserve it. But I can receive it. Because you have given it to me. I receive forgiveness. I receive healing. I receive strength and soundness in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. We'll see you next time here in Faith School. The Lord's really been ministering to us in Faith School this week about how everything is by grace. And I was reminded of the scripture, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring the good news I so appreciate those who preach the good news to me without charge and without price. It's not owed to us to receive the life-changing word. Because if you are partners, we're able to send this out all over the world at no charge. And yet, it's such a gift when we hear the truth that makes us free. If you'd like to become a partner, that information is on the screen if you haven't done that yet. But... You can't pay for what God sends to you, but you can help send what helped you to somebody else. And when you do, you're sowing a seed that's going to come back. It'll affect your family, maybe your unsaved family, your unsaved friends. They will have the word sent to them because you helped send it to someone else. All 
at no charge. And so the word of grace and the word of faith is flowing all over the world. Let's preach this good news to the whole world. And then Jesus said, the end will come. He's coming back to get us. We love you. We pray for you. We'll see you next time right here in Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.